Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today we have a special show to discuss love and relationships with the co-founders of Buffini and Company, Brian and Beverly Buffini. You guys have been married 28 years, you have six kids, you have plenty to talk about on this topic. Welcome to your very own show, Brian and Beverly. <laughs> Thank you, David. It's such a pleasure being here today. Well, it's great to have you guys. Uh, Beverly, always lovely to see you at the studio. I'm going to dive right in. We have questions from all over today. Niobe Rodriguez from Trinidad and Tobago, believe it or not, listening in. Thanks, Niobe. What routines do you have to strengthen your family emotionally and financially? financial part I don't know what routines we have there other than dad go make some more money exactly you know I think routines are very important obviously and habits are very important especially when you're trying to succeed and achieve we have six kids that have all achieved at certain levels in in their life and it takes an awful lot I mean we we use an app called cozy that Beverly is like she's more like an air traffic controller to be honest with you of keeping everybody's schedule on board and uh, those kinds of things. You know, we try to fight for, okay, when are we having a meal together, sitting down? We fight for whether it's game nights or we fight for even movie nights. So you have to kind of fight for those things, and I say that all the time because everybody's got a plan for you and everybody's got a plan for your kids and you're getting pulled in 15 different directions. Right. And no one's going to hand you your schedule. So... You have to do your best, but we have a few routines. We have routines ourselves. So Bev and I, our day starts fairly early usually, and we have routines of getting ourselves right. We have an area in the house that has a pretty nice view, overlooks the ocean and golf courses and all this kind of stuff, and the kids call it Mom's Perch. And Mom goes up there and reads and takes her time, and then Dad does his thing. And we kind of get ourselves going first, and then... You know, we'll start that morning and we'll talk and we'll have a word of prayer for the day and then talk about the schedule or anything we need to do. So I think getting ourselves right to start with Mm -hmm. is a big deal. And I think you're going to hear that in a lot of these different questions and answers Mm -hmm. is we get ourselves right first individually, then we get ourselves right as a couple, and then you can start focusing on the family. You said there, we start early. And I know people probably want to know what that means because early for me is different <laughs> than early for you, probably. Well, you're an international music star, so, <laughs> you know. Only. That's right. 11 o'clock is wakey-wakey time. And it all depends on our schedule also. And yeah. because our schedule changes so much, some of the days are different. One day is different from another. I may start sometimes even at 4.30, depending on what's happening with my kids and their schedule, or Brian having to leave early in the morning. So it all depends, but we try to be consistent. It's around 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. And you have a scheduled series of things that you guys go through. Absolutely, absolutely. I know Brian's mentioned over and over again, and I've mentioned it. You know, everything that we do is based on our faith. So there's some routines that we want to make sure are in place because we know without that foundation, a lot of things go haywire. But it started at the beginning of our marriage. When we first were married, one of our main goals was to try to always be on the same page. And we knew that the only way to do that was to establish routines Mm -hmm. because we are both very ambitious and we both like doing and achieving and So we knew that it was essential that from the very beginning of our marriage that we actually created a mission statement. And part of our mission statement was to enact, include routines that we would consistently do, things that we wanted to 
do with our children also. So it started at the beginning, but now 28 years later, it continues because that is a foundation of our marriage. Where did that idea come from, a mission statement? I mean, some people who wouldn't be maybe exposed to that concept might feel, gosh, that's very pragmatic uh, for a marriage. (laughs) But where did that come from? Obviously, it's guided you guys. Well, you know, I mean, we've been on the personal growth side of things for a very long time. And we also had some mentors. We had some examples. When we were first dating, we were very fortunate. We were in a church over here in Point Loma. And there were people who'd been married 28 years. You know, we're sitting here going, 28 years, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, you feel like you're in the old folks home. Maddie and Charlie, 28 (laughs) years. Stand up if you can. But, you know, when we were first getting married, we had people who they had raised a successful family. You could see it in them. You could see the kids. You could see the connection. And so we would talk to them and ask them their advice. And that's part of the reason we do what we do today in our living and what we do in the podcast and the seminars or what we do in in our personal lives. And when we meet people all the time, we have a number of people that we mentor together, just that relationships that developed over time. And so, you know, we went out, we'd, we'd meet with people. They'd say this, they'd say that. They'd recommend a book. We'd read the book. The thing about it is that Beverly and I, we're not just you know, an African-American and a Caucasian person, we're very different in almost every way. Mm-hmm. And so Beverly would read totally different types of books than I would read. And I would read totally different types of books than she would read. But I would distill down some of the best stuff I saw and she'd distill down some of the best stuff she saw. Nice. And if I wasn't quite getting it, sometimes she used to leave, she'd leave a book on the floor of my bathroom. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, okay, right in front Many of the, a day right in front of the pots. The bathroom you know, there's no floor. way to avoid it. You know, <laughs> okay, she's trying to tell me something. So that's why I think a lot of times, I think uh, especially in our culture today, because of, you know, there's group thinking everything. You know, people, okay, I believe a certain thing politically, and they only watch that kind of news. They only get that kind of information. And all they do is reinforce the one concept they have. Right. Very small world, very small view of the world, very small ability to be able to relate to people. We are as different as chalk and cheese, black and white, no pun intended. And that's our strength. Mm. And so we have different interests. Like Beverly on the business side, Beverly is just not that interested at all. And once in a while, she'll kind of hover in and go, hey, what about this you know we might not seriously might not have talked about right. something in a couple of years on a certain topic right and she goes how's that going like, oh yeah well it doesn't quite work like that anymore but but i'll bring her up to speed in those areas or similarly you know we homeschool the six kids i know we get into that you know she dove into that in a totally different way so i think the big thing is continually to take input mm-hmm. find the best and then come together and get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And a mission statement was, okay, here's what True North is for our family. You know, it was interesting. As we look at that, what we wrote 28 years ago, most of those things that we wrote down have come to pass and then some. Wow. And it's hard to sit here, you know, because I don't want people to get the false impression. You know, we have failed our way to success. <laughs> okay? We have as many missteps as you can have. And we also often are so focused on what needs to be improved, what the kids aren't doing, what we're not doing. It's very easy, right? Everything's the crack in the Liberty Bell. But then you do have a chance to kind of take a deep breath once in a while and you get some outside perspective. And I mean, we have six amazing kids and they've done amazing things and they are amazing people and we're very, very thankful. But it has not been a bed of roses and it hasn't been without its faults for sure. And it doesn't mean that we've enjoyed the process even as much as we should have 
because like everybody else, we were working on the here's what they're not doing as opposed mm-hmm. to here's what they are. Yeah. And I'd say practically, Brian, what we did, because I know how you like to give application mm-hmm. to all of our principles, is that we actually committed to meeting once a week. Mm-hmm. And it was usually on Sundays mm-hmm. to revisit our goals for that week. So we wanted to really stay on the same page. And when you traveled at a great amount, of, you know, a tremendous amount of time at the beginning, it was more difficult. And so our communication would be over the phone or we would just touch basis. Or if you hit home for one day, we kind of met together to revisit you know, where mm-hmm. we're both at. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the routines and the habits that you mentioned earlier, or we had some habits of asking questions. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Um, we also wanted to support each other in what we were doing. You know, so those are some routines, habits that we tried it to include in our marriage mm-hmm. because we knew without that, that, you know, we would be on a roller coaster. For and, a and I would throw this in as well, you know, to piggyback on what Beverly just said, because we had models to follow of what to do, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of models to follow what not to do. And when I went into the public speaking business, I mean, when I first hit the road, I mean, you talk about being on the same page as a couple. Most people don't know this, and I'm really not speaking out of school here, but, you know, when I got into the public speaking business, the vast majority of well-known public speakers were on marriage two, three, and four. Mm. And... cohesive families and this and that and the other tremendous travail I saw in a lot of public speakers family lives and what's what happened with their kids and we decided like hey we are not going to fall into that trap so you know you can have examples of what to do you can also have examples of what not to do and that then forges the mission statement that then forges the habits that then makes you make decisions you know for 17 years we owned a Learjet not to be on lifestyles that are rich and famous but because we also knew there were certain dynamics of being able to be home for dinner, be able to be home for a game, mm-hmm. be able to be there for the family. And it just was our highest priority. And for me as a wife, seeing that my husband committed to that, to being home with all the work and the effort that he had to put into that, but his principles and his desire and his heart was to be at home made all the difference in the world for me, who was at home, taking care of business. Yeah. So that made a huge difference. It's awesome, even though, you know, it's easy to drift, right? I mean, you guys saying that you met weekly. It means probably that's just something you take for granted now, but that's wildly probably countercultural, the fact that you had a weekly meeting on your marriage. It's amazing. Well, and it wasn't always easy. I yeah. mean, you know, we, yeah. we'd sit down and we would go over. What we would go over is we'd go over the schedule. Right. We'd go over the budget and we'd go over kind of like reviewing the big pictures. And then we would do, we would also have, and still to this day, we do an offsite. Hmm. So corporately, I do an offsite with my executive team every year. But long before that, Beverly and I do an offsite every year. And I'm talking about flip charts, marker pens, yeah. stickies on the walls, That's awesome. wallpaper the room, go somewhere nice, and uh, take a couple of days and talk about our goals and trips and this and that and the other and whatever else. But like there was times like to get on the same page economically. Mm. I'm the son of a house painter. She's the daughter of an Air Force officer. I grew up in a third world country economically at the time, Ireland, uh, in the 70s and 80s. She's grown up in the South. And, you know, very differences. Mm. How do you get on the same page? And we used to tell, you know, stories about, you know, when we first got married. And I see she's saving brown paper bags from the grocery store (laughs) and sticking them between the fridge and and the gap in the fridge. And I said, what the heck is this? You know? 
And I'm like, you know, this is a fire hazard. This doesn't work. And I can see she's getting upset. I'm like, what's going on? Well, a couple of months later, we go down to South Carolina to visit her grandma's house, and I see these brown paper bags <laughs> stuffed in between the fridge and the, and the side of the... Right? And you go, what was that? And it's like, okay, that came from the Great Depression in her family. A lot of people saved newspapers and bags and string. And so you think about the brown paper bags. Our families had different views about everything. So we had to find out what's our view. So I know we haven't gotten That's very great. far in our questions here, but... Yeah. I think we started with a mission statement. We started with mm-hmm. these routines for our, our daily routine. We have a weekly routine, and we had to fight for it. And by the way, we were at this 28 years. We had periods of time where we never missed a Sunday, mm-hmm. and we've had periods where we've rarely hit a Sunday. And we can tell when we're out of whack. Oh, we haven't met in a while, have mm-hmm. we? We have an annual routine where we get together and, and you know, have the meetings you know we do the off-site every thanksgiving you know we do a, a thing where we everybody makes a list of what they're thankful for every year the family goes to mastermind we never told people to ever bring their families to mastermind it's just we started bringing our family mm-hmm. and people started noticing that next thing you know you know seven eight hundred people at the mastermind every year are kids and that was not something the company was set up for or the event was set up for That's people wild. said well he's doing it for his family mm-hmm. they're doing it for their family we need to do it for ours and so when the kids set the goals, one of our routines is the day after Mastermind, we sit around and everybody reviews their goals. So a lot of these things to try to keep it on track. I'm sure many people have other practical things mm-hmm. they do that work for them too, Absolutely. but that's, that's what's worked for us. Yeah. You said, of course, no one gets the better roses all the way through. Oliver Del Rosario from Rochester, New York. Oliver, hopefully I got your name right. Were either of you ever close to quitting? If so, what uh, stopped you? The New Yorkers always ask that. <laughs> it's a great question, actually, yeah. and I'm not quite sure if it's about quitting our marriage or quitting our profession or job or what, but all I can say is that it's a good question. Along the way, we've had some business failures. We've had some rocky roads along the way, but I can honestly say I've never felt like quitting. Mm. Now, have I been discouraged? Have I felt like the... Mm. You know, the rug was pulled from under me. Absolutely. I remember days when I was teaching my kids and Brian was gone for weeks at a time and it was just total chaos, frustration, not knowing what was going on, totally feeling inadequate when I would go into the bathroom, sit on the floor behind the door and just weep. And those tears eventually, though, that I cried out turned into roses because I knew that this is part of the process and it's a journey Mm -hmm. and it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be happiness. There's going to be trials. So I use those times of discouragement, disappointment and frustrations to kind of, you know, grow through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for us, that's never been um, a concept. You know what I mean? And, you know, you look at, again, we've been blessed. We're a great fit for each other. We're on the same page. We don't have chemical imbalances. And, and, you know, there's so many different things it takes to make it through life with another human being. But I think the big thing is is we were committed to grow. And I think we've always been committed to grow. And as long as you're committed to grow, it means you're humble enough to learn. You know, I, I'll give you an example. There's been times when I've been out of whack, and my wife is patient with me. And there's times when, how do I say this? There's times when the perception was she might have been out of whack, but she really wasn't. It was just my perception. Of course. Um, and it's just being patient. Mm. And it's like knowing that your goals are the same. You're still fighting for the same thing. So 
I know that for other people they've had that and I'm sure Oliver's asking a question and maybe that thought's come to him or friends or family or whatever else and it doesn't mean that it's a bad thought mm. but for us it was not loyal to the sake of foolishness like we grew up in a country David where there was no divorce there was just a lot of drinking <laughs> right? right I mean divorce was illegal but drinking wasn't right so I would just say I think for us it was always a matter of our goals are the same goals we've always fought for it you go through ups and downs you go through good periods bad periods there's a verse in the Bible 1 Corinthians 13 that's often read at weddings and it's love is patient love is kind it goes on all the things and, but love is patient and I've never really gotten past that sentence. To get to the other things, patience, I think, is the key. Mm. Well, this question is kind of connected in a way. Steve Buzagani from Philadelphia. When times got really tough in your relationship, not outside forces, but your relationship from the inside, uh, like family dramas or interpersonal relationships, what did you guys do to help keep your relationship alive and strong? I think one of our biggest things is we took time out. Mm. We really realize when we're off the rails you know i mean it's very evident and we usually try to get together and force ourselves to get together even if we don't feel like it mm -hmm. because we know that that's the strength of our marriage and we know that's what has helped us before i know brian just mentioned first corinthians 13 which is all about love and because we try to apply those principles love is patient love is kind it doesn't envy it does not boast it is not proud those are some of the foundational principles that we try to live by. So we get away, we take time out, and we revisit it. And usually a lot of the issues between us or when we get off track is because, and this is for me personally, it's a lot of pride with me thinking I'm right or thinking things should be done my way or I don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. And sometimes it's simply just being humble Sometimes it's simply just saying, I'm sorry, to try to just rekindle, because it's not always about happiness. Mm. You know, it's about thinking about the other person and considering right. the other person as more important mm. sometimes. And that's really hard. You know, I can say these things, but when I'm in the heat of the battle or in total disagreement about something, that's pretty difficult. Yeah. But over and over and over again that I've seen when I have tried to you know, take those steps that I believe there have been some positive steps. Yeah, and there's also a couple of things you do, like if you pray together in the morning and you're ticked off at one another, it's very hard to stay ticked off at someone when you're praying with them, yeah. you know? <laughs> it, you can't grit your teeth and say amen. Uh, I think that's one. And I think the other thing is we have safe haven places. Mm. So, for example, laughter is the best medicine. You know, going to the places that is fun, that brings you joy, that you're able to relax. The one thing we've had, and it's just a, it's a dynamic of our family, is we've had one place that we've gone to that when we go there, the whole family clicks into a different gear. And you've seen this for years. Mm -hmm. And we go to the Big Island of Hawaii. And we, in times of tremendous travail, we went a lot. Okay? We I did. mean, when the going gets tough, we left to go to Hawaii. <laughs> you know? And no doubt. Because here's the deal. We get on the plane to go to Hawaii. It's just instantaneously. We're different. Mm. And we hit that spot. It's a reset button. It's a reset button for the family. And it's just in our family's DNA. Uh, recently, we got a chance to bring our oldest son and his new wife and baby, our grandbaby. And they came on one of our Hawaiian trips. And it was just magic. Mm. 
you know, it was almost like the next generation being grafted into this special little place that we have and the routines that we have and whatever. And again, everything's not Hawaii, but where's that place that brings you joy, right. that brings you fun? We've brought the kids' friends to these places and this and that. So I think we'll say a prayer together in the days when things are tough, especially when we don't feel like doing it. Yes. But we also have, we try to get back to those places mm. that you know, kind of like a reset button. We have a little restaurant she and I like to go to. It's just exquisite. We really like excellence. The kids are always giving us a hard time because we don't look like the lifestyles and rich and famous people on Monday through Saturday. You know, jeans and t-shirt type stuff. But we have a place we go to that's an exquisite restaurant. We'll go there. The service is spectacular. The place is excellent. The ambiance is wonderful. The food's pretty neat, too. You know, and it's just kind of a little oasis. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, you kind of, yeah, right. This is what life's about, you know. It's the good stuff. And nice. So I think that's part of it as well. Joe Cortez from Corpus Christi in Texas. As someone who's very goal-driven and accomplished, was there a point where you had to sacrifice some of your dreams for his? And this is for you, Beverly. Mm -hmm. Or was it that yours and his were aligned? Can you talk about getting there? I think this is something spouses of entrepreneurs and parents of excelling kids have to deal with. Oh, that is a great question. As you know, I played a lot of volleyball, played on the University of Tennessee, and I played on the USA volleyball team. So I'm very goal-oriented. When I finished my career with the USA volleyball team, it was time to get married or at least start a career. And I did have some career dreams and aspirations. And then this Irishman came along, and I fell in love with him, and we got married. And that didn't end all these aspirations and dreams, but they were different when we were married. And I wanted to start a family with him. And so at that time, those became my new dreams and goals, building a family, being a wonderful wife, and doing those things. So since we've been married, our dreams and our goals and visions have been pretty much in alignment, and mm. that has been to support him mm. in his endeavors and build this company that we can go out there, serve, and help people. So I would say we've pretty much been consistent in as far as our dreams and our goals. Yeah. I think the, the big thing is, especially like, you know, I have a big career. It's very easy to think, okay, she's had to suspend what she does and come along behind Brian, behind every great man's a great woman, all that stuff. And I just don't see that as the case at all. I mean, I really think the bigger question is this, is I think marriage and family is very difficult when you hang on to your singleness. I think marriage and family is extraordinarily difficult when it's mine, yours, and ours. Mm. The thing is this, to me, once I got married, I gave my life away. Once we had kids, our life was no longer our own. Now, there's some people might feel absolutely horrified by that statement, but that's the joy of it. Mm -hmm. That's the joy of it. In fact, we were in Hawaii here last year, and there was a couple who apparently were on the plane with us. And they saw us with the kids and the interaction, and they saw us in the airport, and they saw us. Turns out we're staying in the same resort at that time. We had some of the kids' friends with us and this and the other. So these people, you remember this deal? These people come over and they go, your family's amazing. Oh, my gosh, you know, you guys are playing volleyball together, and you guys are hanging out together, and they're all... You know, you have 25-year-olds down to 16-year-olds, and it looks like they don't hate you. And, you know, you guys, they're all together. They look like they're best friends. How does this happen? We were having lunch, and we started asking them questions. And here's the thing. They had their kids, they had their 10-year-old and the 12-year-old at the resort 
daycare. You know, there were trips and things for the kids. Now, I'm not sitting here in judgment of anybody who does that and somebody's listening, but here's the deal. If you don't put in the time and you don't spend the time, don't expect the result. Mm -hmm. They got to Hawaii. They had their massages lined up and they have their this and they have their, we're going to have red wine this night and we're going to do this and and the kids are sent off to the camp and then they're going to have a nice time. But the bottom line is I want my time, but I also want my great part-time family as well. Here's the deal. It's all in. Now, here's the thing. When we go to Hawaii, there's lots of massages and there's glasses of red wine and whatever else. But we just have it all in, in the priority of what's important to us. And I'm not judging those people, but they came to us asking us, how do we get that result? Mm. But what they do doesn't align mm. with that result. And so our life is not our own. Our goals are built around. And I've told my kids repeatedly, my kids are like, Dad, you could do this. And Dad, you could do this. And Dad, you had this opportunity. I've turned down all kinds of opportunities. There's no doubt my career could be 10 times what it is today. Not only do I have not regrets about it, I don't give it a second thought. Because all I ever wanted to do was provide opportunity for my kids to pursue their dream. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted for Beverly was to put her into an environment to have the greatest life possible. We used to teach the kids, remember the story of Majin Guy? You remember that? Yes. I just can't talk to my mind. So it's a little kind of a Christmassy story, right? And it's set in the 30s. And there's a gal named Madge, and she's married to her husband named Guy, and they've got no money, and she's got long, beautiful hair. And he has a watch and a watch chain given to him by his grandfather. And basically, they're almost being evicted out of an apartment in New York. They've got no money, but it's Christmas time. And he goes off, and he takes his gold watch and chain, and he sells it at a pawn shop to get this beautiful set of pearl-handled brushes for his wife's hair. And he comes back into the house, and she's got like a hat on. And she sold her hair to get him a watch chain. So he sells the watch to buy her brushes. She sells her hair to buy him a watch chain. To me, that's the great example of what a marriage looks like. Mm -hmm. To me, that's it. We are trying to serve one another. We try to outdo one another. And that's the game. And the principle in our mission statement, David, is a verse that we have, and it's Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Mm -hmm. And that is the undertow of why we live to serve each other in our marriage Mm -hmm. and try to outgive one another. Oh, that's awesome. Deal with it, Lally. Deal yeah, with it. I know. Deal it's with too it. Come much. On. It's too you, much. You got into silent mode here on me. Huh? <laughs> Tom Andre from Hampton, Virginia. How are your work styles and relationship styles different? I see couples where one person is completely different in the office than they are at home with their spouse. And sometimes they bring that alter ego home with them, which causes friction. How do you guys manage being in business together? Well, we're not really in business together. We're in the business of family together. Beverly's on the board of Buffini and Company, and she writes some articles. And then next year, she's going to speak at the Success Tours because we're very close to the empty nest, and she's very gifted in the public speaking arena. She doesn't think she is, by the way. I mean, I know she's rocks <laughs> people's you, world when she yep. goes out there and does it. But I will say this. Like, I go to seminars, and I have people stand in line for hours to get a photograph with me. I walk through my own company, and you've been with me. Many my own staff are taking selfies with me, right. and I live this public what looks like, you know, people call me the Frank Sinatra of the real estate business, right? <laughs> so inside real estate, I'm very famous. When I go down to the grocery store, not so much. Uh-huh. 
But I'll come off an event and I've got people falling all over me. I've got staff catering to every need. Here's your egg whites, Mr. Buffini, and here's this and here's that. And would you like the green peppers on the side? And we have your meals already predetermined and ordered and whatever else. And then I come home. And I come home (laughs) and uh, it's trash morning and there's nothing in the fridge. And, you know, Bev's going out the other way. So, yeah. You know, the thing about it is, the minute you get home, you better take off your Superman costume. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're dad, and you're Brian, and you're a person, and this and that and the other. So it's a little more exaggerated for me, because I have this kind of false life, if you will, out in the public arena, mm-hmm. where it's false in regards to the level of adulation or whatever else, which is, as you know, that's not really what I'm into it for. But that's the dynamic of the business, and what people are excited, and people have had their life changed, and this and that and the other by the coaching. And they're just extraordinarily enthusiastic. And then I got to come home. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, what the heck? There's nothing in the house. And, uh, you know, this and that. And the other. Where are the grapes? It, we're right, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so you got to check yeah. your ego at the door. Yeah. I think no matter what, ego, we all have it. Mm. Pride is everywhere. And that's why I say, you know, you hang on to either this identity or this ego. And you come home and it's like, hang on a second here. You know, I'm... Beverly's husband, I'm the A-team's dad. Mm. I think perspective is key. I think this. I think if there's a secret weapon, I I know we weren't going to talk about this. I believe we have a secret weapon, my wife and I, and that is gratitude. Mm. And gratitude keeps everything in perspective. And I think it fuels our marriage. It fuels our family. It catches us. We have conversations all the time where, look, we have kids who play sports, and you have people on sports teams, and you'll have these crazed, obsessive parents that are trying to get their kids into college that, and you're like, drives you berserk or they're trying to edge over this and do that or, you know, manipulate this and manipulate that. And we'll, we'll get frustrated. But at the end of the day, I think we'll catch ourselves mm-hmm. by going, hey, really appreciate the opportunity for our kids to be on this team. Really appreciate the opportunity for our kids to be healthy enough to play sports. Really appreciate the opportunity. I mean, here's Nick Vujicic. You know, Nick Vujicic and I spent hours together the other day and no arms, no legs. And his manager wasn't around. And here I am. I'm giving him water. And he's craning his neck over. And I'm giving him drinks of water out of a water bottle. He can't get a drink of water for himself. And I'm thinking, man, I have six healthy kids. And they're able to play sports and do this and do that. So I think perspective and gratitude is very, very powerful. And it doesn't mean we don't have negative conversations. It doesn't mean we don't complain. It doesn't mean we don't get caught up on other people's stuff. But uh, I think we catch ourselves a lot and we bring ourselves back by just kind of snapping ourselves back into the bigger picture, gratitude and perspective. Nice. Bev, this one is for you, Debbie Consiglio from Macomb, Michigan. As a busy professional, as a busy mom of six, what are your top three things you do to stay focused and organized on a daily basis? That's a great question. And I've revisited this question over and over again in my life. And the first thing I would say is that as a mom, you go through different seasons. And when our children were young, I was very busy. (laughs) And those mornings where I wanted to get up and have those quiet times, it didn't happen a lot of the times Mm -hmm. because I was up with the children, of course. So what I have tried to do over these 28 years and with our children, 26 years, is to know that what my routines are. First, Mm -hmm. I want to get up in the morning and have a time by myself. Because if I don't start there, it usually goes haywire. When I don't and not able to have that morning, I try to have it sometime throughout the day. 
because that is just a foundational block in my life. So you would jump, let's say, going back to when the kids were younger, would you actually get up before they did? Would you find time before the kids even woke? I would get up with them and nurse them, yeah. and I would use that time, wow. or I tried to get up prior to the kids getting yeah. up. Okay. But when you have infants for 10 years straight, that's pretty difficult mm-hmm. you know, to do that and make that a routine, but I knew that was my objective. So one thing was try to have time for myself mm-hmm. so I can be there for everyone else and my husband. That was one of the routines that I did. Outside of that, I surrounded myself with some mentors people who've been there and done that, people who could advise me, people who I could call up on the phone and say, can you help? I'm dealing with this right now. I know you have experience with that. Mm-hmm. So that for sure. And the undertow you know, of all of that was I tried to make sure I communicated, communicated my feelings, my thoughts, if it were to the Lord, if it was to my husband, to those people that mentored me. I communicated because I know how valuable that is. If no one knows how I'm feeling or where I'm struggling or where I'm out of whack, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get help. So those are the three things, you know, trying to find time for myself, surrounding myself with mentors and communicating. Okay. Carrie Medaris Potter in Stonebridge, Virginia, she has a question that's kind of connected to that. You've talked about balancing kids, homeschool, sports activities, you know, the real estate business, health exercise. She's looking for a refresher uh, hashtag exhausted realtor mom. <laughs> so a refresher from a mom that's further down the road of life. And that's from Kerry. Well, again, it all goes together here. But the biggest thing that I tried to do as a mom was I tried to create an aroma in our home that we wanted inside of our home. Mm. We wanted to create an environment where there was, of course, Brian mentioned it already, gratitude. Mm. We wanted to create an environment of respect for others. We wanted to create an environment where we valued one another. So we were very fastidious at creating the environment in our home that we wanted, even with all of this Mm -hmm. stuff happening outside of our home with our busyness and our schedule and our travel. So we created that by... I would say, Brian, by teaching a lot in our home, we were very specific on the things that we were trying to do. Well, the blessing is the curse. I think you homeschooling the kids gave, obviously, tremendous opportunity for that. The downside of that is the kids can get immune to it because mom's there all the time. I think the biggest thing is example. They say when the plane loses cabin pressure, put your own oxygen mask on first. I think we've done a pretty decent job of putting our own oxygen mask on first before we take care of anybody else because Mm -hmm. if you give all you have you have nothing left to give right and 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 here's the thing as a guy who's burnt out i would say at some point in time i've burnt out every year of the last 25 years of my life at some point in time in a year i don't have an off switch as you well know as my you know you've been on the road with me and travel and the problem is i'm very excited by what i do and i'm Uh very excited by life and i enjoy it almost too much like I love the work and I love what we do and I love its impact coming up with ways and I get more and more the more tired I get the faster I go and so now I've learned okay I've learned at least to see when the red light's on the dashboard and in the past I would just push through those things Mm -hmm. and now it's like nope I did it the other day Beverly thought I'd lost my mind I sat out on the patio in our home and we have a great view of the ocean and these valley and everything else it was 80 degrees and I sat on the couch and I watched Parks and Recreation. <laughs> and I watched 
about eight hours of it. <laughs> and Beverly's like, what is this? Going on. You know, <laughs> do you have a new girlfriend or something? What is this? And it wasn't that it was that great of a show, but it's decent. You know, it was decent. And you know what? I just needed to try to find a way for my brain to recover. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And it's probably the lowest form of recovery there is. You know, I, I'm not sure binge-watching TV shows is the greatest. But you know what? I, I did it, and I did it in a nice, beautiful environment. I moved three times to eat <laughs> and go to the bathroom. While I put the food on, I went to the bathroom so I could cut down. I mean, it was appropriate binge-watching. Yes. You're new to it, too. I mean, I, 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 am a, I am a bit of an amateur. <laughs> but I will say this. My wife was looking at me. Now, that is not Beverly's idea of a good time. Uh-huh. But she has finished the Internet. She will stay up and... and you know, watch volleyball coaching videos up till one in the morning. So whatever it is, I think you got to find that spot. But you do have to put the oxygen mask on first yourself. I like that. And it creates a little bit of space for you. And then you can go do. Chris Bone from Gainesville, Florida. Chris wanted to know one thing I can never see in my lifetime is retirement. So this is kind of an appropriate question, I suppose. Is that something you guys have addressed? How do you deal with the empty nest syndrome? It's not empty yet. Very close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the girls are listening to this. Mm-hmm. Come, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're excited. You know, I certainly don't think I'd ever retire. I mean, you, you never retire from what you love. But I think I am in the stage with my career where I want to use the principles of leverage more. And so I want to do what I love, but I want to do it in such a way it's not as taxing mm-hmm. or that the organization itself is not as dependent on me. And so that's what I'm working on right now, organizationally in business. And quite candidly, our hobbies have been our kids. We're doing some things. We play at it. We have a golf club around the corner, and we've tried to get out and hit the ball a few times here and there. But here's the thing. We're a sports family. Always have been. This is the first time in 14 years we won't be in a basketball season in the wintertime. You got oh, a chance okay. to see the kids win their third CIF championship the mm-hmm. other day. You had no idea this was so stressful, did you? Oh, it was I was like, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> it was very tiring. Okay. <laughs> but we have the twins who are just dynamite volleyball players. And, you know, we love watching them play. And it looks like they're both going to get a chance to go play in college. So that'll extend it on a little bit. But that mm-hmm. changes as well. Mm-hmm. So we're in that stage of the game. We've done the sports thing hard. We've had a great time. But I think we've done the sports thing well. Because it's not an idol. It's not something the kids find their identity in. The kids know it's great to compete. And if you're going to sign up for a team, for us, the character qualities of work and development and teamwork and so many great things come from sports Mm. that if it's done right, I feel like we've made it work for us as opposed to being consumed by it. But I think we're on the cusp of the empty nest here. And you know what we've decided to do? Bev's going to join me on the road speaking. Bev's in the office here doing podcasts. You know, we enjoy this. We helped people out when we were broke. Right. We weren't even married yet. And I remember we were in a couple of different social settings and people would come up to us and we just had a knack between the two of us. We had a knack for helping people and we enjoyed the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. There's a young man who's a coach here for a, a college and uh, the kids call him our stepson. And this young fellow, we just, we love talking to him. We're on the speakerphone all the time talking to this guy because he's a guy that takes the information, puts it in place takes action and got a great spirit and a great heart and he's achieving well we just dig that and so that I don't think is ever going out of style and so impacting and improving the lives of people will still be in it maybe probably a little bit more golf maybe a couple more trips to Hawaii without the kids and those are fun 
But I don't think much is going to change. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't think retirement's in our near future. And our biggest examples are our parents. Mm-hmm. You know, they are still working. They're in their late 70s and 80s, and they are still working and doing and serving in their communities. So they've been a wonderful example for us as we desire to be for our children. So as far as shutting down, no, we'll be doing different things, you know, as we go along here. And a lot of what we want to do is just serve. We want to help in our community. We want to help in our church. So it's going to give us more time to do that when the empty nest syndrome kicks in and also our grandchildren. That's the next generation. We always want to. She disappears. Mm-hmm. Mid conversation, <laughs> mid conversation. I'm like, and so bad. And she's down. gone. I turn around. Where, where'd exactly. your mom go? Uh, she's on her way to Carnot. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's a huge part of the next phase. And like I said, there are seasons mm-hmm. in life, and that will be our next season. Yep. Before we move away from the topic of the twins, because that's the last two that are at home with you guys right now, Sean Shackleton would love to hear from you specifically <laughs> as parents of twins. Mm. Best advice, and he's in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, Sean, you got a great name. And in fact, you talk about something that's held us together during tough times is the name Shackleton. Mm. And we have watched the movies and documentaries of Ernest Shackleton. And that's a great tip for anybody listening here today. Shackleton was a polar explorer. He had a ship called the Endurance, which is uh, ironic. And they got trapped in the ice. And they were 14 months stuck in the ice and basically took lifeboats across the ice and then made an 800-mile voyage through the worst waters in the world and climbed a mountain range that had never been climbed. And it's this unbelievable series of trials and difficulties. We're not talking about the twins here. Just not yet, clear, I okay? know. But, but I'll tell you this. You know, L. Shackleton, we would watch that during tough times. And we would watch that repeatedly because these guys just persevered. And I think the one thing I would say this about my wife, my wife's tough. You know, when we've been through recessions where we laid off hundreds of people and had to take huge amounts of the net worth and cash it in and reinvest back in the business to keep the rest of the folks employed. And this and my wife's tough and hung in there. And it's just kind of a do whatever it takes. You know, the person said, hey, have you ever considered quitting? I think that Shackleton mindset of persevering. And so I would say with the twins, twins are amazing. They're awesome, but it's not like having kids. There's a season of endurance with that at the beginning, but there's a season of joy that's coming that's amazing. And if anybody can do it, it's a fellow by the name of Shackleton. Nice. <laughs> I have some rapid-fire questions for you. Some of these came in from listeners all over the place, so I won't get into who asked the question. I'm just going to hit you real fast here with these questions. Beverly, I think I know the answer to this question. Do you ever tire of listening to that dreamy Irish lilt in Brian's voice? Brutal. Go on. <laughs> I will never get tired of that. Uh, <laughs> That's why it, I married this young man. <laughs> that dreamy is sometimes a nightmare. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's what gets him out of trouble. Uh, it keeps him out of jealous. trouble. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I will say this. I can still make her laugh. That's nice. the key. I can still Absolutely. make her laugh. That's the key. To the day we die. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. What advice do you have for newlyweds? Some of the stuff we've already said, I I think you have to decide what true north is. What do you value? You know, what's your hopes and dreams? And then stick with it. We have, by other people's reckoning, an unusual marriage. For us, it's extraordinarily usual. Mm. But, you know, Beverly's girlfriends don't dictate our marriage. Mm. Fellas I play golf with don't dictate our marriage. We don't conform to those influences. We have our deal. 
And I think the big thing is mm. it's it's us. It's not us against the world, but sometimes it can feel like that because the TV shows mm. and the images and what everybody says and the advice columns and you owe it to yourself and you need to do it and you need your own space and all these different things and it's all that crap psychology. And when you go through your second divorce, you go through your third relationship and you're now you're hitting the bottle hard and this and any other. None of those people who gave that advice are around. Mm. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but here's the deal. Life is hard enough. Mm. And so I think the key is you start on the right path. And it's like, what is it we value? What's important to us? Who are we? What's important to us? And then hold the line. And every force around you is going to tell you you're off. Mm. Until 30 years later, they go, what are you doing? You know, yeah. they'll ask you afterwards, but they yeah. won't ask you during. What was the most memorable date night? And I feel like this is going to be tricky. Do we get one answer from one of you or two answers, <laughs> one from each of you? Your most memorable date night. Yeah, I think we may be on the same page. It was the night that Brian took me out to a steak dinner, actually before we were married. And we had crab-stuffed mushrooms. And I fell in love with the crab-stuffed mushrooms, and I fell in love with Brian. Okay, for- let me let me back up. All right, so <laughs> nice. here's that. This Introducing is, me. Let me the- just nice. give you this. Okay. So the crab came first. Just <laughs> no, want to be clear no, here. No, no, not really. it's not even close. <laughs> Hang on. Here's the deal. My wife, she's not very Irish. Okay, she's very close to her chest, not overly expressive, and I came from a very loud, where you knew everyone's waking thought, feeling, and emotion. And that was not Beverly's deal. So when I was mad keen on Beverly, and I couldn't tell where I stood, so I started rolling out the dog. When I first came, I did the paint jobs, and I did a trade for a paint job with a guy named Paul the Greek, who turned out later on he was a local mafioso, who owned a limo company. Our very first date, I picked her up in a double-wide, double-stretch limo. It was amazing. amazing. But here it is. I have Martinelli's, the sparkling apple cider. I have all her favorite things in the car. We go to this restaurant, no response. She's like, oh, this is nice. And I'm thinking, this is my best shot. (laughs) Like, I'm a showman. This is my best shot. (laughs) Nothing. And I was loving it uh, on the inside. Like duck on a pond. And I'm like, I am screwed. And then I tried this and I tried that. And then I kept up in the ante. Mm-hmm. And then we went with a group to uh, Israel. And we took a trip with uh, a Bible study group, went to Israel. And we had this amazing trip. And it was a spectacular time. But still, I'm not getting any responses. And finally, I'm like literally at my last thing. I can't wow this woman at all. <laughs> and I used to give gift certificates when someone sent me a referral in real estate for 25 bucks to a place called Hungry Hunter. And there were seven steakhouse chains here in San Diego. And I'm like, we've gone to Israel, we've done all the limo trips, I've done this, and I'm not getting any big responses at all. Mm-hmm. And finally, I'm like, I'm, I'm out of bullets. I'm out of bullets, I'm almost out of money. And we go to Hungry Hunter this night, and the waiter says, oh, we have some crab stuffed mushrooms. And i okay, yeah, whatever. And he bring them. And she eats this crab stuffed mushroom. She's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) The best. And I'm like, what? I've spent a fortune. I'm trying to woo this woman for months on end. I just said to the waiter, keep these freaking things coming. It was like, yes, I do. Yes. So that was why when I asked her to marry me, I took her back to the same restaurant. Hit her with the crab stuffed mushrooms again. Dropped down on one knee while the cheese was still in her throat so that the uh, ether wasn't worn off. So that's her Achilles. That's awesome. That's it. You know, some guys try to buy drinks or do this. My wife, it's crap stuff mushrooms. That's the only way I can get around her. Well, this is appropriate. The next question that came in, what's your go-to family meal when all together? 
Oh, that's easy. It's pot roast with vegetables and Irish ice cream, which wow. is mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's yes. good. Nice. The kids would have a different answer than that, by the way. The kids would say when dad makes an Irish breakfast. Yes, that is so true. So I order the rashers and the sausages and the whole thing. Black and white pudding. You can Google that. Yep. And I do it up. I get Irish soda bread and do it up. And the, the kids, uh, so I'll do that Thanksgiving morning, Christmas morning. And lately I've been doing it a lot because the boys will come home on the weekend sometimes them. from yeah. college. Yeah. So uh, the smell of Irish bacon and rashers and sausages bring him over. So that's great. Whatever it takes to get them home. Yeah. Practically yes. a cleanse that food is. Yeah, it is. So it is. It's like a ball of cholesterol <laughs> inside your veins, heading straight towards your heart. Or that. Okay, the last one. Actually, we have a couple more here. What's at the top of your bucket list? Oh, I think you all know that we love traveling, so um, we would love to travel to Wimbledon. We'd also like to go to the British Open. That's always been one of Brian's dreams, and I'd love to go there and support him and be there with him in that. And we also would like to go to Italy. We've never been there together. So as I've a been family, there a bunch, yeah. Together, so the whole family wants family, to go. family, we'd like to go there. Nice. So next summer. Nice. Am I in on that one? You have been on in a lot, Mr. Lot. Lally. You have managed <laughs> way to weasel too your many. way. The man was a permanent fixture. I have more pictures of David Lally, by the way, on my phone than I do of my children. Yes. It's a problem. And I have more pictures of David Lally eating foods in parts of the world. So wherever we've been. Lally, how, actually, what was your favorite date you were on with me and Beverly? I would like to know that because... I mean, you Hungry have, Hunter. You have, Come way, on. you have wangled your way into many a night that was supposed to be just the two of us. Ah, oh, David, we love you. <laughs> Yeah, there's been a lot of road, a lot of water <laughs> under the bridge. I'm going to finish up with this one. I think it's kind of a summary of everything you guys have talked about. For as busy as you are, you're awesome to watch, the both of you. You're always great fun to be around, but you're deadly serious, too, about all these things you were talking about. After all the years of marriage, how do you keep the romance alive? Well, I think it's important. I'm crazy about my wife. Zig Ziglar was one of my mentors. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story. When Zig, near the end of his life, he fell down the stairs, he had short-term memory loss, and then it quickly started to turn into, you know, the needle got stuck for him. And one time I decided I was going to go spend a day with him and his son Tom, and I was going to film Zig, and I was going to showcase Zig clips of him at his best, and then having him respond to his best. And it took me 12 hours to get about six or seven minutes with the usable footage. But the needle was stuck for him. He told me the same story about 12 times. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if the needle ever gets stuck for me, I would like to get it stuck there. Mm. And he'd go, Brian, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I met my wife September 9th, 1947 mm. at the YWCA in Yazoo City, Mississippi. And he said, Brian, I, I've courted her every day since. And you know, if she leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> And then about 10 minutes later, he goes, Brian, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I met my wife September wow. in Yazoo City, Mississippi, in the YWCA, and I've courted her every day since. And if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. He told me that story 12 times in the one day I was with him, every time like it was the first time. And I thought to myself, if ever my needle got stuck, I would do that. My assistant, Jeanette, is sitting in the room in there, and sometimes Jeanette will be asked, okay, Jeanette, I want to set up flowers, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And Monday is have a memorable Monday and Tuesday have a terrific Tuesday and Wednesday have a wonderful Wednesday and Thursday have a tremendous Thursday and have a fabulous Friday uh, just because my wife likes getting flowers mm. and it doesn't have to be for any particular reason and so I can do better at this I, I'm very pragmatic sometimes overly pragmatic 
but I want to court my wife every day of her life. I want to make sure she feels like I always call her my bride. You've heard me say that. I rarely call her Beverly <laughs> when I'm talking about her. Why not? Why not? You know, why not? And I think everybody goes through struggles. And I just want anybody to listen to this. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Someone could sit there and be feeling bad about their life because their husband doesn't send them flowers every day. Mm-hmm. Or someone could be feeling whatever they're feeling about their marriage world. Here's the thing. You know, you do not have to be perfect people. You said to be perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes work to be perfect for each other. And it takes selflessness. And it takes, it's us. And it's we. And uh, the two become one. And I think that's the game plan. And, you know, it's work. And it's not easy. It's not easy because two totally self-consumed human beings get married. That's the deal. All of the different consequences of that. But it's worth it. It's a good life. I couldn't imagine it with anyone else. I don't know anyone else would be crazy enough to put up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a colorful life. It's a great life. Give your life away. And then here's the magic. You get to have it back. You give your life away, and then you get that advice. And three simple words, David. I love you. Over and over and over now She's again. thinking about that for me, not you. Okay. So she loves you, but she really loves me. Just so you know. <laughs> Brian Buffini. Yeah, I know. Come on. That was always going to happen. <laughs> I was counting it down in my head. <laughs> I can't take them anywhere. <laughs> No, that's awesome. You feel the same, Bev, like for the romance, you know, if it goes both ways, I see it goes the way you interact and you take the time out. You know, you were saying right at the beginning of this how important it was because you were going to be on the road mm-hmm. and the demands that puts on a relationship, on a couple. If you were to give people like just a couple of things to stay connected and keep the romance alive, if they were looking for just maybe something to do, the how-tos. Sure. Sure. You know what, David? Those three words, I love you, it needs to be said over and over again. The other word that needs to be said is I'm sorry. You know, so many times we get into situations that we are holding things against one another. We don't want to talk to one another. We're in disagreement. And sometimes we just have to say, I'm sorry. And then the other person needs to say, I forgive you, you know, as opposed to holding on to those things. Mm -hmm. A movie that Brian and I really love is um, Fiddler on the Roof. And there's this wonderful scene in that. It's when Tevier is talking and he's asking his wife, do you love me? Yes. And his wife is saying, of course I do. For 25 years, I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? And then they go on to say how that marriage was arranged, you know. And then he says, but Goldie, do you love me? For 25 years, I've lived with him fought with him, starved with him. For 25 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is it? And then it goes on to say again, then you love me. And then Goldie says, I suppose I do. (laughs) So we can all get in that rut. Mm. You know, we can all become complacent in expressing our love for one another, our forgiveness of one another. And I think the bottom line is we need to over and over and over again create that value, create that love for one another yeah. of I love you. Awesome. Can't say well, any better than that. That is a good place to wrap this up. And thank you to you both for being so transparent and vulnerable about such a personal topic as love and relationships. I'm looking forward to the next date the three of us go on. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Beverly, thanks for coming into the show. And oh, for Brian, uh, let me jump in and ask the questions of you both. Our goal is to positively influence as many people as we can on this show. So make sure you share it with others. That's all we ask. And... As we do, 
we'll throw it over to Brian's mum, Therese, for a little Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.